This is the Acts 2028 podcast, where two young Church of God pastors discuss the challenges and victories we face in leading revitalization. I am TJ Samuel. I am Brian Seidel. I am in an urban context in Seattle, Washington. I am in a suburban and rural context in Boise, Idaho. I am in a liberal state. I am in a conservative state. My ministry background is in missions. My ministry background is in youth ministry. And yet we are both in our first lead roles. Help God revitalize the existing church in the Pacific Northwest. We are helping each other. And you. To truly live out Acts 20, 28. Hey TJ, here we are again back uh, for another episode. And maybe our listeners are wondering where we were because we've actually had an extra week in here. Um, We have not recorded, so... If you're sitting there waiting for new episodes to drop every two weeks, we're sorry because we haven't done that. We're a little bit behind schedule, but you know, life's been pretty crazy for both of us. And uh, we're just finally now getting back into getting this one recorded. Yeah. And so I, I will take uh, the lion's share of responsibility on that. We've, we've been busy. And, and so I think like we had an opportunity to engage with a regional convention. So we were out for a week. And, uh, you know, just as a, as we navigate these times, just as prayer, like we have a child center, we're looking to partner with a school and we have a lot of things that are in front of us that even though we, we check in and we do these things, ministry continues to happen. And so like, uh, you know, that's where I've been in with a lot of my time. And so Brian's been trying to help write the ship as, as constantly he does, but, uh, yeah, I was definitely out even more from the standpoint of that. But I think those netted some really good experience. It's always good. You know, we've talked about that on the podcast of um, encouragement, not only from the enrichment standpoint of, you know, empowering and equipping yourself and, and continuing to do that as a pastor, not only in our daily life and our Devo, but um, from a community point. I mean, you know, it was just not too long ago, we had Pastor Allen on here and, and he hadn't implemented it, but, you know, he talked about the concept of coming together with other pastors under the premise of um, encouraging one another, lifting one another up. And, uh, you know, whether that's for planning or just an opportunity to, um, you know, be encouraged. So we got a bit of that. I would be lying if I said I wasn't tired, but I think that's par for the course in the the state that we are in, like, as well as the kiddos, uh, my kids and, and their part, you know, having three between the ages of 12 and eight and sports and all those things as you're coaching and I'm coaching as well to help them out. It is a crazy, crazy time, but I'm so glad that we're back, that we get a chance to discuss these things. And uh, again, I think that kind of sets the framework for where we're at and why we do this. We are pastors that are navigating these things and uh, we see the value in them because A, we're walking through it. There's a transparency, there's an authenticity to that. And so, yes, we, we, we pushed out a week, but hopefully we're, we're back on track. And as you listen to this, you'll be encouraged today, whether that is a role of, of leadership and and that you have that and that's from a pastoral standpoint that's from an elder standpoint that's from man a key lay person standpoint like because we need all of those roles to come together um we know that that's the point i'm i'm left with uh in the transition for hiring people so 
if, if you listen to our podcast here in the Seattle area, man, we would love to love to, to chat with you. But anyhow, thanks, B, for, for leading us in a little bit. But thanks for, for holding down the ship and, and keeping us going. Yeah, well, and to say, I know you're, you're taking the majority of the fault here on this, but to say that, you threw a couple times that I couldn't do because of – of my coaching role with the golf team and, and different things as well. And also, like I said, you were out last week for our regional convention for church of God, which, and I was thinking, cause and I didn't go to it, which, and so I missed out on that uh, community and that connection with our, our larger church of God people. And yeah, I was realizing that, uh, that this is kind of the, I think this is the first one I've missed in probably in several years. I mean, for sure. And so to say that I did have a little FOMO, you know, of, of missing out on it. Uh, but I, I stayed here so that I could, uh, you know, get, there was actually two different golf tournaments and some really important practices that I was going to miss if I went to that convention. So, so, uh, you know, and this, again, the church always takes, has taken precedence over my, my coaching commitments, but get, uh, this travel again, uh, got, got bumped because of my coaching commitment. So like you said, we we're living those lives. We're kind of keeping those priorities uh, in check and in the right orders. And, and sometimes we have to be able to make those decisions. And so, you know, for sure. Yeah. But uh, life's crazy and we all know that. So, and maybe that's an encouragement to you if you're out there and you feel like your life's too crazy. And so I guess, but that's just telling you that ours are, are just as crazy as yours. So um, but I think that's, again, part of the premise that we hope to, to present here, right? It's just, like you said, our transparency of uh, just that, man, we're just a couple of pastors trying to figure it out just like you. So, and we have, <laughs> there's a lot of moving parts to that. So uh, for sure. So with that said though, too, we push it out. Well, now we're a couple of weeks after, but we had intended in talking about just kind of the the aftermath of Easter and the aftermath of, of these big events. And obviously Easter is a big event for our faith. It's a big event for for just church in general, not just church of God churches, but, but just for faith, right? I mean, it's the central holiday of our faith in a lot of ways. Uh, Easter is one of the higher attended uh, times for church attendance, typically. Um, also, there's a lot of extra work around the time of Easter, whether it's extra services for Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, uh, you know, maybe community events of, you know, Easter egg hunts or kind of those types of things that sometimes we get roped into and, and connected with, as well as even just having family in town, right? Because it is still a cultural and family, you know, event. And so, you know, Easter can be incredibly draining, I think, especially for church leaders. And so, you know, today, as we kind of dive into that, now we're even a couple of weeks after it, but like you said, the craziness of Easter, we just both dove into more where, like you said, just uh, life has continued to be crazy. But what we want to address today and just kind of talk is how do you deal with the huge letdown, right? The day after, I mean, or the weeks after a big holiday or a big event. And again, and maybe it's not Easter, maybe it's not a holiday. Maybe it's even just a big event that you put on as a church or a big, uh, you know, again, in our community here in the Boise area, we had the uh, Greg Laurie Foundation came in and did this big Boise harvest deal. And it was literally last weekend. And and so, you know, is this, this big revival, you know, event in our community and in our Valley. And there was this huge turnout, kind of this, this big, you know, high, you know, of this event. And then, but the reality is you still go to work the next day. Right. And there's all these, you know, things that we have to do. So, um, you know, we're just kind of calling out the reality, right. That if we just go from event to event or big, you know, big, big, huge, uh, 
things like Easter or like Holy Week, um, that there's a big emotional, there's a big spiritual letdown. Um, you know, there's, there's things that we just have to deal with as leaders um, in that kind of aftermath of these events. So <clears throat> B, maybe for the sake of it, let's uh, also say not for a boastful standpoint, but so people understand, they know that our um, bandwidth because of our, um, you know, resources, uh, whether that's staffing or otherwise are a little different, but maybe where we could also jump in is kind of maybe paint a picture of what it is. I know you did some Holy Week type extras on that. So maybe just run through that a little bit and then I'll share mine as well uh, of what that week kind of looked like. So people can understand maybe someone's listening and they know that these events take place at their church, but they don't understand maybe um, in the totality to look at them. So uh, often some churches start, uh, you know, I, I was talking to someone while we were at this before said conference um, and they were talking about, uh, you know, like a, a fat Tuesday pancake feed uh, part of that. And that's part of theirs. So what did real quickly, not again for boastful sake, but what, what did that week kind of look like for you guys? And then I, I'll, I'll fill in ours too. I think it was a little bit different. And, um, you know, from an intentionality standpoint, our community looks a little different. And so, uh, yeah, yeah run them, let's run through that real quick and see what that, that sure. week like. Yeah, absolutely. So as we've already talked about previous episodes, I plan out my sermon series, right? And, and Easter is one of those things that I literally center my teaching calendar on. And so, um, so this year, again, I did a teaching series that I started, uh, a few weeks before, uh, you know, Holy week. And so leading into, uh, we, I, and, and that's one of the challenges of preaching is kind of, you know, again, like the Easter Christmas, especially when it's the same story every year. So you have to kind of mix that up. But so I started a message series, uh, leading into that. And then, so that was, there's a little extra work there. I kind of planning it, but you know, that's just kind of the normal things we've been over that before. But so then we start with Palm Sunday, which was just our regular service times. But then we were a few weeks into the sermon series building up to that. Um, and then as of Holy Week, uh, we had extra services. So we did have, we did a Monday, Thursday service, foot washing service this year, which is the first time that we've ever done one at Oregon Trail since I've been here. And Oregon Trail has traditionally done them in the past, but my understanding was they stopped doing them just because of lack of participation. Uh, but that, and that was even several years before, you know, the church kind of went into downturn or whatever. So uh, and before I was ever here. So we did that. Again, there was one of my board members that just really wanted to do it, just felt convicted. And so she, she played a big role in that service as well. But so we did a Thursday night service, uh, Monday, Thursday, foot washing. Then we have, uh, and then we had a, a Good Friday service on Good Friday. And that one, uh, again, was communion and again, another, you know, message in the series. I planned that out uh, to do that. And then, and actually it just kind of, it wasn't really because of Holy week, but on Saturday, uh, we did, we had our men's breakfast on that Saturday and it's just the standard kind of, you know, like the, you know, third Saturday of the month, but it just, it's the way it fell. So it was on that weekend. So we had that event. Um, and then of course, resurrection Sunday and, and which is our regular, and we, it, for us, it was our regular schedule. And again, that's kind of one of the things we're going to talk about of ways to get through this of, but that that's part of my philosophy is that we do just a kind of a normal service uh, schedule on Easter. Uh, but, but it's our two normal services, but we did have extra attendance. So that does put extra strain on all of our teams. Um, and so, you know, like our kids team was stretched thin because uh, they had their kids team, kids numbers actually doubled on Easter for us, which, um, which again is just puts a lot of strain on those teams. 
again, there was a lot of strain on, um, on our green team. Cause there was a lot more, you know, again, just our, our support staff and green teams. Cause there's just way more people. Right. And like, again, twice, we print twice as many bulletins, right. There's just kind of all of those things, just extra work in all of those, all those things. Um, also looking at that, realized that with Thursday, Friday, Saturday, cause I spoke to men's breakfast too, um, for that day. Cause our men's director is just different stuff. And then Saturday. So I literally spoke four days in a row. Um, and you know, from I had Sunday and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that and twice, you know, twice on Sunday, right. With our two services. So, um, to say like, so again, my literally just physically, my voice was like gone on Monday, right. Like after all of that. Um, so the other thing that we did on Easter too, which was extra on all of our people, um, was we did door hanger invites. And so we literally canvassed, uh, neighborhoods the, the week and a half leading up to Easter, and so put out those door hanger invites and uh, into different community neighborhoods in our community and different, and we had our people in our church that had to take them and put them in their neighborhoods. And they said, we went and picked out certain specific neighborhoods that we canvassed and put out those invitations. And, and so we had, again, a volunteers that came to do that and handed out. And I said, I, I, myself, again, leading, leading from, you know, by example, um, I think I handed out probably somewhere between five and 600 of those door hangers, like myself, just going door to door. Uh, my wife helped me a ton. And we did our whole neighborhood, our whole subdivision, which is like almost 500 homes just in our neighborhood. And, but again, we canvassed it and did it. And they like said, my, my, my kids helped, my wife helped. And we did that. We had some, some different families in our church that, that took it on. And they did, I mean, just did a ton of extra work. Uh, with those invites. The awesome thing was that we had people come from them. Like we actually saw some fruit from it. And even on Easter morning, like people came in and was like, yeah, we, I, we got your invitation. We're here. You know, so that, that was really cool um, to see the fruit come of that. But so, uh, so again, it was just a big strain on, on, I mean, extra things like door hangers, again, big strain, especially even on our production teams of doing, you know, three, three services in a week. Uh, and so, you know, worship team, production team, all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, so it was that, that's kind of what our Holy week looked like. How about for you guys at Fairview? Yeah. <clears throat> so we didn't, uh, do Monday, Thursday, we started our week on Friday and Friday was more of a reverence, somber in remembrance kind of piece. And so it was, uh, more of a drop-in time period that I was there for a couple hours and navigated that. And I led people through communion as they came individually. There was also stations where they could reflect and have that time. So they could write prayer requests and put them at the cross, or they could light a candle and they could do those things. And um, one of the things I emerged from that was we had a woman that showed up that had been watching us online, but had never been on campus. And she had to catch a uh, public transportation which is called access here to get to us and she did that and so we got a chance to hang out afterwards because it was a busy night and she ended up being here like an hour past the service and so anyhow again you don't know why you do these things but again God opens doors then Saturday moved in we wanted to be a part of the community and so for us, we have a neighboring park that's very close. Uh, and then I wear dual hats because I'm on our Maple Leaf Community Council, which is our neighborhood association here in Seattle. Uh, but also then I got a chance to, um, you know, wear the hat from the church to be able to encourage and do those things. And so we had um, just over 6,500 eggs 
that we did. Um, and we partnered with a church that brought like 1500. Um, and we did this huge Easter egg hunt up at the park. And so that was a community based uh, event. And so that was there. One thing I would say is you talked about voice train. I was yelling uh, because we thought we had a megaphone that was there. But, you know, when you get, I don't know, 500 plus people and a lot of them are kiddos anxious to get to eggs, it is tough in an open air park to try to get some of that. So I used uh, my big boy voice, but it it did take a toll going into Sunday. So uh, we did that. That was great. Sunday rolled into for us, we only have one Sunday service in the morning, but we doubled up. So we have a, uh, a tradition. It's Green Lake is one of the most visited parks in all Seattle. And there's this old aqua theater. So like back in the day, they had like uh, platforms and stuff. They would have like, uh, like diving events and stuff like that. It was, it was like this big thing. And, and back in the I think like the Rolling Stones even played there because someone came up on Sunday and was like you've now shared the stage with the Stones <laughs> and that wasn't the intent but they have this aqua theater that is pretty cool and our church rents that and so we got a chance to have people that were there so it's sunrise so you're up at you know the service starts at 6 30 um and so again probably over half of those people that showed up for that don't attend our church they just live in the community they came one person that was their first sunrise service as it was mine. So we've been here three Easter's and that was the first one because of the pandemic that we had. So that was a change. And then we rolled into a breakfast that comes after that here back at the church and then Sunday service. And so again, you see more of those things and, and it's, it's a team effort, the whole staff, you know, it attacks all of them that, you know, that we have and a ton of our volunteers. That's what I'm saying. Like if you're a lay person, you're listening to this, we couldn't have pulled any of those things off if we didn't have our, our volunteers. So huge shout out and thank you to them. But so it does, it takes a toll. It's worth it. Um, people show up and people come. It is the Super Bowl. If there's going to be, you know, the CNE Christmas and Easter people, Easter tends to be the one that is going to be historically for most churches, the most well attended. And so we had that. And so again, that is a lot. And if you haven't been a part of that and you're, you're there, again, like you said, three, four, multiple days of speaking engagements or engagement with the community, and um, that's what we live for. But, you know, it, it does. You, you need a, a place to kind of to, to catch up after that. Mine was, <laughs> again, I, I hop on and I go to a conference and I do some of those things. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's the hardship. But for me, like you said, you led into a series. Mine intentionally had a series that came out of Easter. So I just wrapped that up with my third one this past week. So Easter started that week one, then we had two weeks. So my intent was, again, if we had people that came, just kind of say, hey, come back, listen to the series. But as we're going to dive in here a little bit, sometimes that's tough. you know. And I was trying to be proactive and trying to get people to engage after the fact if they only showed up. Um, you know, like any good cliffhanger <laughs> to kind of say, hey, here's what we're talking about. Here's the resurrection. Christ came to die for these things, but here's some of the other things, you know, and lay that out over a three-week sermon series. So that's what I kind of did. That's the, the nuts and bolts of why we did it. But uh, yeah, let's jump in. Like you're saying, what are some of the, the potential pitfalls? What are the fallbacks? What are the things we need to be cognizant of? And, and how do we navigate those 
potholes as we, uh, you know, navigate these times. Yeah, absolutely. So if, if you're curious, if you want our listeners and just, uh, if you haven't listened to it, you can go back, but if you want to hear, we talked about, uh, holidays and special events in season two, uh, where we kind of cover just kind of a big broad range of what we do for holidays and special events. We talked about Halloween and mothers and father's day and kind of all those things. So if you want to go back and listen to episode five in season two, that's where we kind of covered that. And like I said, that's one of our things we're doing this season is diving deeper than into some of these topics. And so, so as we dive into this topic uh, today, and like I said, to dive deeper, that's, that's kind of our angle we want to take was because, so we have these big events, we have these holidays, we have these things like Easter, like, you know, whatever it would be, whether it's a holiday or it's just a, a big event or a big, you know, conference or revival thing that you do with your church or, you know, like you said, just um, like in our community, the Boise Harvest with uh, Greg Laurie, you know, or whatever it is, right? There's these things and we, we always build up to them and we always hear a lot of, I think, talk and resource about, you know, how do you facilitate it logistically and kind of leading up advertising, marketing, all these things up to these events. But then we never really talk about the aftermath. Right? And I think not only there is some aftermath, like you said, just within our churches logistically of like, how are we moving our mission forward and how do we use those events, you know, for to, to contribute to the bigger mission or to the great commission and those kinds of things. And that's very important, right? But I think the other side of it is what do we do for our leaders, for our teams, especially even pastors in that letdown? Because I'll tell you the in pastor circles, I don't know if you picked up on this, TJ, but I've definitely felt that is that every pastor, when you talk about the Easter fall off, like every pastor knows what you, what, what you mean. Right. Again, we got ramp up to this, right? We get ready. Like I said, we have, we're have extra chairs in the sanctuary. We print extra bulletins. We're expecting this big number on Easter. And for a lot of us that happens, right. And we have the bigger number. I'll tell you that happened to Oregon trail, right? Like uh, we had our biggest attended Sunday, right. On Easter Sunday of the year since last Easter, right. I mean, having literally on Easter Sunday, but then the next Sunday was one of our lowest attended Sundays of the year. Right. And, and that is, that's the letdown. Right. And, and I think the, and I think just in just momentum of just church growth, right. That's a huge letdown. But I think even beyond that, even just beyond the metrics of church is that there, like I said, there's this emotional and this spiritual buildup to something like a big event or to Easter Sunday. And again, even we get this high, right. Of like, yeah, lots of people came and we have this hope, right. Of, yeah, like we're, you know, we're making a difference. Like people respond and they show up and then there's this letdown, right? And as we fall off the cliff on the other side. And I think the reality is there's a lot of emotional and spiritual um, vulnerability that comes with those moments. And then when you pour so much of yourself into your sermon, into the extra events, into the community events, the advertising, the invitations, right? The presentation of the gospel. I mean, all of those things. And then there's this letdown. And, and to say that not just right after Easter, but I, and I, I think this is really true to say that Sunday evening and Mondays are a very vulnerable time for most pastors and church leaders. Because we pour ourselves out right into Sunday and into the services and into all those kind of things. And then, and then there's, there's this point, right. Where you have poured yourself out and you're empty. 
whether you're empty emotionally and especially, I guess, even if it doesn't go well, right. Like it kind of, I mean, it becomes a trap, like really, really, but you know, what if Easter was a normal day, right. You'd written all this extra and you didn't have the huge, uh, huge attendance or even just on a normal Sunday, right. Like you have this message that you felt like God has really inspired you and you give it and you're present, you know, and, and, and nobody responds, right. The altar's empty. Right. And, and again, you walk, and I don't know about you, but I've walked off the stage sometimes and be like, wow, that was a great sermon. I was so excited to give it. And then you hear no feedback. Right. And you're like, wow, maybe that, maybe I'm terrible. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I think, you know, I think a lot of times I've learned that sometimes those are the ones you understand. Those are the ones that people are, are contemplating. Like they don't have, there's a self reflection period almost that has to take place in some of those again you'll know based on your sermon but like sometimes those are the ones that hit and and they don't verbalize it like all the time right away but they're there uh, I've heard it in some circles not from a drinking standpoint that's usually where it is but I've heard it described as the post-easter hangover right like that there is this, like you said, there's a high, and then there is this kind of subsequent low kind of piece that goes with that. And even to be cognizant, I know that some pastors are saying, like, you know, I talked about intentionally having another group come back, that you put all this emphasis in, you roll out the red carpet, you talked about that from media, production levels, and and, and every other front. And then if they show up the next Sunday, and it's like an afterthought, like, because we are tired and we're not ready to receive them again. Like, what does that say to people as well? And so kind of like just understanding that whole piece, but yes, it is a vulnerable time. In fact, when I was talking with um, one of the pastors at the conference, he was talking about that from a Monday standpoint, it Monday is a very difficult thing to have your day off. Um, He said, because what you want to be able to do is to give your best on that day. And so if you're feeling burnt out, if there is a uh, letdown, you want to be able to give your best during that time. So if you're like wiped out on Monday and that is the day that you give to your family and stuff like that, and your first reaction is, I don't want to go in. I just want to unplug. I just need to continue to t- try to help. Um, he said, man, that's, that's not edifying. So he said, honestly, what he did was kind of like what you do. And, and that kind of hit home for me because my day is Monday. And sometimes I find myself in this situation, but he was saying, you know, I want to intentionally give, like you said, like a, like a Friday, because then I am better rested to present on Sunday. I'm not compromising that my family is getting the leftovers after an event that's like this. Um, where you're just so worn out that you're like, okay, you guys could have. And he just said, I talked with my leadership and he said, honestly, this was a part that said, Hey, look, I'm going to intentionally schedule Mondays just to be a little bit lighter for me because I know that that's going to happen. And, you know, uh, there's books on this, you know, uh, cheating on the church kind of thing. Like if I'm going to cheat on this part, not to dishonor my calling, that's going to be the day where I'll, I'll catch back up. That's the day where I'll, I'll intentionally, uh, you know, get back on track, but I know that that day isn't like as taxing where for me, sometimes that's, yeah, I'm just looking for <laughs> just a, a good place to curl up and catch a nap, to 
could catch my breath. Um, so yeah, I think these things are real. Again, they're playing themselves out, but really if we're doing that, if we're being intentional, uh, and again, like we don't know, like when I hear when you, you talk about, uh, if people don't respond in a way that you thought they might respond to your message, uh, remembering what is our scorecard? Why are we doing it? What we're doing. And so like, if we're doing it for our own fodder or just to hear that praise or those things, as opposed to being obedience to God, one of the things we talked about was our identity as a movement for the church of God. And, um, you know, one of the things that the characteristic sets us apart is unity. And that's in our structure. Like you and I choose to be um, associated. We're not like mandated by a regional uh, conference or director that says, if you and Brian don't meet, then, uh, you know, we're going to kick you out of, of our movement. It, it's that a loose autonomy, but it, it has a space where we can love and, and come back together. So I, I appreciate those things. I really like what we do, but if you really are obedient and you feel like you said, I felt this is what I was supposed to preach. We have to find solace in that. Um, and we have to know that that's where God's laid us to go. That's our path. We're in his will. And uh, yeah, I, that, that's what I think. But those have been some of the things that I've been pondering through this last bit. Yeah, no, absolutely. So again, I think, and we've kind of been talking about this, but literally we have, I mean, I, I have three kind of main, I guess, tips, right? Or yep. concepts, right? To keep in mind, again, in this. And I think the first one you talked about when time about, you know, taking Mondays off or working on Mondays or whatever it is, the first concept would be just, just, I mean, learn yourself, but the concept is protect yourself from yourself. Right. It, but I mean, literally the idea is protect yourself from this because you know, it's coming. Right. And, and you know, when, when your most vulnerable times are right. And so, so when just protect yourself from that, you know, set up those boundaries again. And, and I don't know, um, you know, I don't know how true the statistics are. I, I don't know about you, but I always feel a little, um, I, I don't always believe every statistic that I read, right? You're kind of like, you know, I'm like, I don't know. Is that really, how do I know that's true? But, but the reality is, but again, and especially when I read any kind of statistic around pornography use, especially pornography use in the church, because it always seems like it's so extreme. And, and again, I don't, and, and I don't deny that, that it's a problem. I mean, I, I know that it's a problem, right? But, and I know that there are pastors out there that struggle with, you know, with pornography and purity and whatever and sexual sin. And again, I don't deny that at all, but yet again, I've, I've heard the statistic that the, the time, the busiest time for, you know, porn websites is, is Sunday evening and Monday. And mm. that, and that, then that, that, that there's a correlation to you that that's when pastors are indulging their flesh. Right. And, and again, I, now, again, I, I don't know if, if that, how true that is, but I think it does speak to the bigger concept that we're talking about. If, if you know that's a vulnerable time for you, then then protect yourself, especially in those times. I mean, now, again, if you're struggling with any kind of sexual sin, you need to, again, confess and find healing and put this up boundary. I mean, there again, not just that, like you said, again, I mean, you brought up alcohol, right? If, if you're if you're if that's a temptation for you, right, then then protect yourself, especially in those moments when when you're most vulnerable, right? Sunday afternoon, evening and Mondays. Um to say that, like, again, that's one of the reasons I don't take Monday off. And you kind of said that is because I just know myself. Like if, if I would be giving my family my leftovers, 
I would be making plans for the next week. I mean, there's so many reasons why Monday just doesn't work for me, you know, to take it off and for my personality and just the, what I know about myself. Um, the other thing I say that is that even actually Sunday afternoons, and I've found um, that those Sunday afternoon and evenings are truly kind of vulnerable times for me. And, and I think, you know, just even emotionally and spiritually, because again, we, I mean, I walk off the stage, you know, after like, giving my sermon for the second time on Sunday in our second service and like, and one, I feel, I love speaking. And so, and that kind of fills me up in a lot of ways. And so I feel energized, like, you know, interacting with people after the church and when it's done, you know, I feel that, but there, I feel physically feel there is a, there's a drop off for me when I get home after church on Sunday. Right. And I'm kind of on this, this emotional, spiritual high of the day. And, you know, again, cause preaching fills me up and I love it, you know, to do that. And then, but then there is that, there's that fall off. Right. And, and, and I, I've learned again in that, 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 that one is like, I mean, I'm tempted to go home and just take a nap. Right. And you go to sleep. But I also find is that when I nap, then I don't sleep well the next night. Right. And so again, I have to kind of protect myself from that because I'm spiritually and emotionally drained. Right? Like that I, and, and then I physically feel drained when I get home. And so, but that's and honestly one of the things like, and I, I don't know how my wife feels. I think my wife hates it actually. Um, but it's kind of become where that's one of the times where I go and golf on Sunday afternoons or in the evening. Right. And, um, and part of it is because in Sundays, like the course is not as busy in Sunday afternoons or evenings. Right. Because again, there's some different reasons for that. So I like to go out there because it's just a lot more laid back. But I think the other part of that is that it's, it helps me be physically active instead of just crashing right to where I get a good night's sleep on Sunday night. Um, because, and again, there are times when I've given into that and just crashed in the afternoon and just, you know, laid around and watched golf, you know, uh, whatever, and take a nap and kind of whatever. But then, but then it truly messes me up for the next couple of days, right. Physically. And like my sleep pattern. So, so again, I've kind of learned that. Right. And again, the other side is I go to work on Monday, right. Is so that I can, you know, get moving to that. Um, and again, so then I, but, and I take Fridays off. So, um, so just protect yourself from yourself. And I think that's the, you know, protect yourself from those vulnerable times and just know that they're coming. Yeah, no, I, I think that those are good. I mean, I don't know all the statistics as well, but yes, there, there is a part. I mean, I know even, you know, even if you extrapolate that from a standpoint of uh, growing up in my era, there was a lot of people that were like, you know, I'm going to go out and do whatever I do on Saturday nights, but I'll be in church on Sunday morning. And so there's parts of that, whatever that may be for you, uh, you know, just <laughs> like you said, protecting yourself. I look at it sometimes as like filters. So like if I can establish, again, being a, a child of the 80s, knowing is half the battle GI Joe. So if you know, like part of your struggle like when you're saying protect yourself, you can set safeguards. Like you just said, like, Hey, I'm not going to completely unplug or, or have this nap time here, but you can set different things because I don't think anyone sets themselves again. Uh, let's just say you were talking sexual sin, like let's say infidelity from that standpoint, even like whatever it may be. Um, I don't think someone says like, oh, I really want to just implode my life. I want to lose my kids, my family, my financial peace, and, and, and all those uh, things. I yeah. just want to light a match and burn it all down. I think it's a lot of individual steps that we've made to get to that point. So again, if we know that that's something we're up against, you know, 
if we were talking alcohol, like I said, you have a sponsor, you have different things, but if you could add different filters, like stop signs, if you blow through all six of those in protecting yourself from yourself, then you've set some safeguards that if you get to like stop sign number four, you're like, oh crud, I'm really getting close to the edge here. And so hopefully that you don't do that. So whatever that means to you in your own life or your own walk, um, you know, what is that? And again, protecting yourself from yourself, if you know those things, uh, that also helps you get to the root of the problem as well. Like, so if we know that, then we can get there. Because again, all these things mask or they do things, oftentimes we're giving into our fleshly desires or sin or those things. And ultimately all we're doing is self-medicating. And so like, if we can get yeah. to the root of that, we can address it. And hopefully then in this piece, not to get like, you know, I, I was just at a conference, like, let's not get too churchy here, but the sanctification piece, right? Like, that's what we're talking about is that if we did get to a point where some of those things are no longer an obstacle in our life, that's where we desire to be. So how do we get to that point? So when I hear that, when I'm processing that, those would be some of my, my, my takeaway or, or kind of thoughts that I, I look at yeah. from my own part. Absolutely. So good. Yeah. So first, first concept, just protect yourself. Okay. Um, the second concept, and, and you kind of talked about it and it was kind of very connected to the conference. You were just that, but, but I think the concept would be have your identity in Christ, not an earthly, an earthly success. Right. And, and because again, I think part of that, like you said, whether the event goes really well or it goes terrible, um, you know, God is more interested in your faithfulness and your obedience, right. Than he is about your hype or your worldly success. And so, and that, that does come back to our identity, even as leaders and as pastors and as Christians, right? The, the fact that our identity is God's child. I'm doing this for his glory. I'm not doing it for just to build a big church, right. Or to have, you know, to tout the, the impressive numbers of who came forward to the altar or, you know, or whatever, um, you know, again, like what, and like you said, that dives deeper into to these core issues that we have to, to, to be able to admit about our own, you know, flesh is that, man, my identity might be mis, misplaced, right? If, if I see this, you know, where I have these huge emotional, spiritual, even physical letdowns after Sunday or after Easter or after a big event. Yeah, I mean, I think those are the things. And again, I think any time we look at these things, uh, or if you felt this way and you haven't been able to put your finger on, identify it. I mean, in any twelve-step or other thing, is is admitting that you have a problem, right? Like, or that there is an obstacle in front of you, and then you can work at solving that. Um, again, we're also saying in solving that that requires a lot of our faith in who God is and going back to Him to be our foundational rock at that part. But um, yeah, you have to be able to, to admit that you have the problem or you see it, or in my instance, is it, you know, processing even at the conference to say, hey, yeah, I get that. And I don't want to give my family these parts um, that are less than, you know, we, we see biblically when we're giving of ourselves, even as an offering, like whatever it is, time, talent, treasure, we talk of, you know, framework of first fruits. We're not talking about like, our leftover rotted pieces, like, oh, I got to give 10% or something if we have to quantify it. Like, uh, go pick the the nastiest, you know, we have 100 apples, like, go pick the, you know, nastiest 10 apples and give those away, the ones with the wormholes and those things, like, 
that's not what we're talking about. We don't do that in our ministry. We shouldn't do that in our personal life as well. And so I think, again, this is all framework. Like you said, protect yourself from ourself. How do we do these things? Again, in those moments of vulnerability, being able to stand up to Satan because of our faith and also say like, look, this is who we are. And we do this because of the one who did it for us. And so I think all those are good. They're good reminders as, a, as we process this to, to remember why we do what we do. And again, it's, it's not, hopefully, not driven by an ego or a piece. And again, if you're listening to this, this is like kind of countercultural and stuff like that because we're so used to looking at a scorecard based on numerics. But if like maybe you're a lay leader, um, you know, maybe re-evaluate uh, like what does it mean to be better engaged with your community, with your pastor, as opposed to like we look at things numerically of, oh, they had 300 people show up on, on Easter Sunday, like throughout the rest of the time. Like, what are we seeing that bears fruit? Like where are those, you know, maybe we have 150 we have 150 people that are like on fire. They're impacting the community. Those other supplemental things that we're talking about, those lay people are the ones that are stepping up. They're the ones hanging those door hangers. They're the ones that are filling those Easter eggs in our part. You know, those are the, the people that are really making a, a difference as well. So um, sometimes we have to, again, maybe, I'm not saying become lackadaisical and, and, and not do those things. I'm just saying, what is our determinant factor and why do we do it? We have this phrase in our movement that's called Jesus is the subject. If it's anything other than that, then maybe it's time we have to sit down and have a conversation about it. But hopefully, again, yeah. as, as we had this part, this, this, this episode has been an encouragement to somebody or, or they somewhere in this had a hearty amen to say, hey, I've been there. And so thanks, B, for helping lead us through this. And um, I'm glad we got a chance to, to finally sit down and do this one. Yeah, absolutely. So, and again, I think for that last concept that you just kind of address, right, which I mean, we've talked around it again, is just, just kind of don't, don't center everything on the big event. Don't center it on just the one Sunday of Easter, right? And again, it's the bigger picture of the great commission of Jesus as a subject of, of where, you know, like I said, we still do these events, but they become just a piece of the bigger puzzle. Right. And so again, if that, if that piece, you know, even completely fails, it, it doesn't mean that your mission is, is a failure, Right. Or, or the, a big, the, a bigger picture of, of what we're trying to accomplish. And again, so it does go beyond just, um, you know, of planning and teaching against Easter being just a one day thing. Like it's not just about Easter. It's about your ongoing faith, right? It's about you coming back, you know, like you said, even even planning that way, like you said, the, the cliffhanger, you know, starting a series on Easter versus ending a series on Easter, like some of those things, again, work into putting that piece into the bigger puzzle. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. I'm glad we finally got this one done. And like I said, and just, you said, I hope that this episode is an encouragement to you, no matter what your role is in the church. Um, but just protect yourself, right. Even from yourself, uh, make sure your identity is in the right place and always keep in mind the bigger picture of what God's calling us to do, um, as his church, right. Not just in our own local context. And obviously that is important, but, but the, the bigger mission, right. And what we're a part of. Um, so yeah, keep, keep pressing on even so that we don't get to where we're just, we're just bouncing from big event to big event. Right. But yeah, we are just, we are looking at, at the bigger picture of the journey and, and that we can be faithful servants of everything God's called us to do. Acts 20, 28. So guard yourselves and God's people. 
feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. The Acts 2028 podcast is a broadcast production of In His Grip Publishing. Our theme music is Achievement by Giovanni Bruno. We'd love to hear from you on our social media accounts or through email. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at Acts 2028 Podcast. Or send us an email at acts2028podcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, leave us ratings and reviews, and even give us your email so you can be notified of new episodes. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we hope that you will lead wherever God has put you. And together we can all live out Acts 2028 as we serve in the established church.